listening to Unscripted, the film show. Man, I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Wanna hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everybody. Everybody say hello. Hello. <laughs> that sounds like a groovy song. Uh, I think it's there's a song that's sort of like, come on, everybody. Everybody clap your hands. There is now, anyway. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rock <laughs> your body. Yeah, yeah. God, you can tell it's almost Christmas, I think. I know. <laughs> it's not a Christmas song, but we're certainly all loopy. Yeah. And we are all here today. Cecilia, Yay. Lewis and Rachel all sitting down in the hot seats uh, to have a chat about movies and whatnot. Um, so tonight we will be talking about Spider-Man. Yay! No spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, have no. you guys recorded a Diz Down Under with spoilers? No. No, what uh, I think Kat and I want to do is a Tangent City, uh, which is a spoiler-ish yes. uh, podcast of uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home uh, because it, there's a lot to unpack in this film. I think so too. I think that would be a good idea. Mm. I will... Definitely be up for that yep. one. Um, and then uh, you've got Bergman Island and we both saw Licorice Pizza and I'm dying to know what you thought about it because I feel like I might be alone here um, in my thoughts. No, so, I don't, no, I, I don't think so. This um, is going to be an interesting conversation I for think sure. it will be. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I am certainly looking forward to it. Next week, of course, is the 23rd. Um, it's almost Christmas. And what we're going to do next week is um, the winners and the losers of the uh, the film and TV um, and also podcasts because I'm, like, trying to think of, like, what on earth have I consumed this year? And I'm sure if I do some digging during the week, I'll be able to find some form of a list. Um but I also might not remember everything that I've seen. So I, I don't know that uh, I'm going to go with a formal top ten this year. Um, I don't – we didn't do that last year, did we? Because 2020 kind of threw a curveball. We, we did do something, yeah. but I feel like it might have been – was it a top five? Something like that, yeah. But, but I think your, your idea of like just opening it up, so any like entertainment, whether it's TV, mm. streaming, movies, uh, if you had a book that you really enjoyed, throw that in there as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're not going to be precious about it. It's, uh, yeah, just, just tell us what you liked and, uh, and we'll do that and we'll all do the same. Yeah, so join us on our Facebook page. Page, um, sometime this week and uh, give us your your best and worst of the year, um, things you've consumed. Not food. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> I had a great meal at that local restaurant. Oh, look, if you went to an amazing restaurant, please do let us know. Um, but generally speaking, um, media, mm. I guess, would be the some kind of media that you've consumed. Uh, so we'll be talking about that next week. Um, but I think I will also have to give a, um, a little review for the Matrix film, which is coming out, because it is out next week. Uh, on the 26th, yes. isn't it? Oh, yes. I may we'll, be we'll seeing see. that as well. So yeah, really? Uh, we might be able to have a little... Mm, yes. Well, if we think it's going to be a big chat, we might have to leave it. Um, but we'll see. I, I was We're very, figuring yeah, things out. I was very excited when I saw that uh, invitation to the Matrix uh, movie and I went, yeah, awesome. And I looked at the time and went, bugger. <laughs> is that an interesting time? It it's, is. It's during... The afternoon. It's, it's like it's, it's like one of those times of day where you think like maybe maybe I can get away with this. Like, but the thing is, I just changed jobs. So you I, definitely I, I cannot. Just started a new job. There's no way in the world I could go. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to leave early on this day. Oh, they must just think that everyone must be off that week. Yeah. I, I assume they they assume that. Because I mean, um, I'm yeah. still working that day. I'm just lucky to be finishing early. Yeah. That particular day because mm. I'm picking up a shift elsewhere in the week. So. Oh, yep, yep. Because I'm, I'm a nice around. person, you know. I like to help other people out and when they say, oh, hey. And then they mind? help you out. Yeah, exactly. That's so, how it works. That's how it works. Um, so what are we going to talk about first? Do we talk about the big movie or the small movies? 
Although well, I don't know if Licorice Pizza is a small or big movie. I think it's an in-betweeny. Fits but in-between, doesn't it, I think? Mm. Mm. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Uh, but we've got to, uh, we're not going to talk about any spoilers. The only thing we're going to mention in this uh, review is stuff that's been in the trailers. Yeah. So uh, nothing nothing outside of the trailers. But uh, this is a, um, a Marvel film uh, and there are cut scenes in... In after the film, mm. so people, even though Kathy said there are you know scenes after the film, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. People still left. People I'm still like, left. You guys are idiots. Yeah. Where Do are you, you going? Sorry, it's a choice. Maybe they're like, oh, definitely. We just want to get out of here because it's quite a long film, I imagine. The it actually was quite a long film. So maybe people were just like, you know what? I want to get out, beat the rush. I mean, I guess if you're a true Marvel fan, though, you would never leave. Well, there is enough time to go out and come back. True. So that could be some people's um, you thinking. You do see that. But you know what? Tie, back in. Tie a knot in yeah. it. I, I, I can't, <laughs> just in case, you know? Just in well, case. Well, if you're going to do that, it's like Marvel films generally going to have one just, mm. uh, they have the like the flowery credits and yeah. then a cut scene and then the real scrolly credits and then another cut scene. Yes. So wait until you've seen the, the flowery credits and the first cut scene, then go for a wee. You've got a good five minutes between those two things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... But I, I just don't understand people doing it. But anyway, it matters not. The other thing is is um, when you take children to go and see a film and they're too young and they're constantly going, who's that? What's that? What's oh, going on? What's no. It's like, no, you you made a poor choice here, my friend. Do not be bringing those, those kids here. Or explain to the children, you're seeing this for the first time as well. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Shut the hell up and just watch the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I we went to see Sing Two, and I reminded Bryce on the drive there. Um, now remember, we're seeing in the, in a cinema, so there's no talking. Okay, why is that? And I said, well, because you're not at home watching it. You're disturbing other people's experience of the film, and the whole point of cinema is to be one with the film, not like chatting to the person next to you. Otherwise, you're going to miss stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like you said. First time seeing it. I mean, there was lots of stuff that went over my head. So, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't have been able to explain certain things. No, <laughs> just just re- remember that stuff and then ask somebody afterwards. Don't don't, don't mm. be asking. Don't be talking during the cinema uh, during the film because uh, you know that should be grounds for punishment. Um, capital punishment, possibly, might be a bit severe, but you know, feel like that might be a bit severe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. just to point out the cinema etiquette again. I was at a screening recently. I can't remember what film it was, but they had the. They mentioned beforehand that they had security people mm. in the cinema watching, so you had to turn off your phones or put them away. Yeah. And I think it was a pre-recorded message, so they didn't actually have any security. Mm. But the point is, is that you were specifically asked not to use your phone. Mm. Yet the person in front of me, every five minutes, still had the nerve just to quickly check their phone. And I thought, how disrespectful, A, you're in a cinema, but B, you've been specifically told beforehand not to use your phone because there's yeah. night vision security. But it's so, but the light from a phone is so disturbing that when you're engrossed in a film, it actually really takes you out of where you're... Absolutely. Because the whole point is to switch off because, I mean, it's really easy at home to be watching and also scrolling. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, cinema to me, and and this came across me last night um, when we went to, to see Licorice Pizza, I walked into that cinema and... As you know, I was quite anxious before mm-hmm. we went in and it had to do with the amount of people and... Small space. Small space. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was really crammy. But as soon as I got in there, I felt an overwhelming calm come over me because there is something about cinemas that uh, it's like my church. Mm-hmm. So it's a great opportunity to actually disconnect for once because we don't get a chance to do that very often. But I think we're preaching to the choir yeah. here. So let's move <laughs> on and continue speaking about Spider-Man. Okay. So uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, it, it continues on directly from uh, Far From Home uh, and at the end of Far From Home, and this isn't a spoiler for, for No Way Home, this happened in the, the previous film. Yeah. You should have seen that by now. And if you haven't, naughty you. Yeah. Um, Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> So at the end of at the end of uh, uh, Far From Home, uh, yeah, at the end of Far From Home, uh, J. Jonah Jameson was revealed. That was a big oh my god! It's mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson. How awesome is that? Uh, 
and he was saying that, uh, you know, basically uh, Spider-Man killed Mysterio and Mysterio revealed that Spider-Man was Peter Parker and that's where they left uh, the, the last film and that's where this, this film picks up. So if you've seen the trailer, you know that Spider-Man's life, Peter Parker's life is basically getting ruined by the fact that everyone knows who he is mm. and people think that he's a killer as well as being Spider-Man uh, and he's got to kind of like, you know, deal with that and his way uh, and again this is all from the trailer um, his way of dealing with that is to go and enlist his good friend Dr. Stephen Strange and see if Stephen could come up with a magic uh, way of making everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man but because uh, you know Peter's not specific by what he, he actually wants to happen. Mm. Uh, he affects the, the spell that, uh, that Doctor Strange is doing and by doing that it opens a rift in the multiverse and then that's why we see people like Doctor Octopus coming through, we see the Green Goblin uh, and we see other um, Spider-Man villains coming through. So mm. basically uh, Pete's got to uh, team up with Doctor Strange and get these genies back into the bottle. Um, and... This this film is uh, just two and a half hours of gorgeous filmmaking uh, that was just like amazing. It was it was like epic on a similar kind of scale to what Endgame was, um, and it just had some real moments in the film that just just popped like a, I haven't seen in a very very long time. So I'm just yeah I was I can't wait to go and see this film again when it was released. Yeah, I think well, I need now. to see it again so I can pick up on everything because I think I definitely missed stuff. Um, I felt it. I felt it was half good and half bad. There was really fantastic jokes in it, and there were some other elements that were um, really well done. Some emotional moments, all of that sort of stuff. It took a very long time to lead into the story. There was some parts of the story that I felt like could have been left out because it did become like a ginormous story. But then. I was speaking to Matt from Cinema Australia last night and he is not a Marvel fan at all and literally goes because his son is into it. He's a DC fan. And so he was not excited and he was expecting to hate it. But he loved it and he said that that he enjoyed the long lead-in because the problem is if you don't have these introductions going on and a, a bit of space to, to kind of let the story flesh itself out, it does become too quick and you're like, hang on a minute, I feel like they've just, you know, jumped into it too quickly. So I see his point um, but he, he thought it was fantastic. Mm. So for a DC fan who doesn't like any of the Marvel Cinema Universe... He's got problems. <laughs> look, he grew, I think the thing is he grew up on DC Comics. He didn't grow up on Marvel Comics and he just didn't get into the movies. I Look, I'm with you. I don't get yeah. it either. Um, but with that said, I've not gotten into the DC Universe either uh, uh, other than like the old Supermans and... Yeah. You know the Batman yeah. series, not into the like the new, you know, Justice League sort of thing. I, I, so I can, each to yeah, their own, I, I guess. I can, I can appreciate some of the DC stuff when it was good. Like, yeah, Wonder Woman was good. Mm-hmm. I like Shazam. I didn't really like yeah. Wonder Woman oh. that much. I, I, and there were elements of this where I get, you know, when there's too much action going on mm. and you almost feel like you can't follow it. And there was some CGI stuff that I wasn't overly happy with with the film as well. So I, I don't think it's a I, – I don't think they knocked it out of the park um, in some respects. But in other respects, they have definitely delivered. Mm. So th- that's a really weird way to, um, to explain how I feel about the movie. But um, – Oh yeah, I can't wait to see it again. And this humor, yeah. there's some of the humor in there is just so so good. But there's so much humor and heart in this one yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's just uh yeah, I'm, I'm just ecstatic. I can't wait for people to see it. I can't wait to be able to talk about it openly. Um and uh yeah, but I've had uh, a couple of friends who um one went to a midnight screening last night, one in the UK went and saw midnight it as well. Screening. Um, and they were just yeah both like my god so good so good and yeah. and so yeah I'm 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 really pleased with what I've heard so far but yeah I'm I'm gonna have to carve out some time to go check this out again it's just yeah. just that good and I think the thing is it'll be good to see it early because you will be going in with um, fans mm. of the series as well and that's what I love 
going to the cinemas. You know, occasionally you go and see a, a cinema, a, a film with a bunch of like-minded people, and you can really you get to feel the vibe, and you kind of operate as a as one. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really bizarre, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, you're all kind of going through the emotions together, and you know, you don't get that with every movie. Yeah, you so get, it's nice to be able to do that. Yeah, you want to go and see it with a bunch of geeks, not a bunch of normies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, with that said. Um, oh, God, just, yeah. So, okay, so shall we score it then? Yes, we because shall. Because we can't really talk about it a whole lot other mm. than our actual emotions mm. uh, that we felt about it. Uh, so let's, yeah, score it. I am going to give it uh, five magical spider gauntlets. I don't even know if I know what that means. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm going to give this um, four. I love that duvalaki on your hand. It's a sling ring. Sling ring. <laughs> I'm going to give it four. Uh, four sling rings. Yeah. Thank you very much for correcting me there. Quite all right. You knew what I meant. Here to help. <laughs> duvalaki on your hand. Yeah. Sling ring. Um, sling ring. I need to Google that. Same. Same thing, guys. Same oh, thing. Oh, sling ring. Nice gangster. Gangster. <laughs> It is, it is the wizard brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't ever think I would think of um, Doctor Strange as gangster. Yeah, because, yeah, they've got the like, singing there and they're kind of doing that kind of stuff. you know. Yeah. No, no, I see where you're coming from. I, there. I, I, I hear you. But when you see Doctor Strange, he yeah. doesn't... Like have the gangster vibe. I want, I want to see him there with like his sling ring and a grill, you know, thing going on. <laughs> oh, Benedict Cumberbatch, could you imagine? Yeah. That just what a strange idea. So, um, Alan just uh, messaged to ask uh, how we're we separating the top and bottom lists next week. Are we doing movies in one list and, and TV shows in another? And I think you know whatever floats your boat. Mm. I, I suppose I'll probably end up doing that. You do you, boo. You do you, boo. Yes. That's right. <laughs> and then off the cuff, I said, has anyone actually watched Squid Game? Because I know everyone was talking about it like m- maybe a month or two ago. Still haven't watched it. And Cecilia, your comment, share with me again. Was I don't think I ever will. And why is that? Just because there's too much hype? Do you know what? I think it is. I think when things are really overrated and there's a lot of hype, I like to go against the norm and be different. So I just want to be, same as, you know, Game of Thrones. Yes. Never watched it. I watched a few episodes. But I've watched I like to, five episodes, I think, in total, I think but I, I couldn't just get like into it. I to go, I think it's the hype. I yep. prefer to uncover some gems for myself and, you know, mm. really like. But, I mean, look, you never know. I do have some time off uh, over Chrissy, so you never know. I might find myself so bored that I decide to check out the Squid Games. Now, apparently it's quite violent, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I'm really turned off violence. Yeah, I, I am a little bit. I, yeah. I just am so sick of that stuff. So what So what if it's not violence and horror? What are you, like... Do you know, I'm actually trying to... Sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly, I'm not watching as much as I used to anymore, which is strange. I'll go and see films uh, as part of, you know, media mm-hmm. screenings. But, yeah, I'm, I'm actually watching less and less. I'm reading more... Uh, to sleeping, you know, that yep. sleeping, um, sleeping. Sometimes good. I don't get home till quite late anyway, so it's almost like straight to bed anyway. <laughs> but I don't know. I just find I watched uh, Silent Night over the weekend, which is a new Christmas horror film starring Kira Knightley, mm-hmm. oh, Lucy Punch. There's a bunch of other people, but the, the premise to the film, and I wanted to watch it because it sounded quite interesting, mm. and I thought it, it seemed along the lines of melancholia. So it's centered around Christmas time in the English country. This English country house and a group of friends gather because the next day there's some kind of environmental cloud that's going through the world and killing people in quite a violent way. So the government's issued these things called exit pills, which you take as a way to die more peacefully. (laughs) Oh, like suicide pills. pills, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they kind of come together and celebrate Christmas with this, you know, impending cloud of whatever it is, doom. doom, making its way across the globe. And I thought this was a comedy film, like a black comedy, and that's how it's kind of dubbed. Like you see the trailer, you think it is, there's lots of little funny things in the trailer. But it's very 
dark. <sighs> it is very bleak. It's very nihilistic. It's almost. I was like, why did I just witness that and put myself through that? Does it? Trauma? Did it give you a melancholia vibe? Because it has a melancholia feeling. Just your description. It, it did, and it didn't. Because from watching the trailer, there was lots of little funny gimmicks mentioned throughout. Yeah. Uh, of characters saying things. So I thought it was going to be this kind of end of world comedy, a bit yeah. like the world's end, maybe if you like. And yeah, it was the complete opposite. So if you do not want to be depressed. completely depressed and uplifted for Christmas instead, don't watch this film. Go and watch something fun. There's re- I mean, if you haven't gotten into Ted Lasso, uh, first of all, you need to get on top of that. But there's a Christmas episode in the second season. Just skip to that. Watch that. It'll give you the good vibes. Excellent. Um, I, I saw, because uh, Kat and I are going through and watching uh, some Christmas films, uh, and uh, she said, oh, we should watch uh, Last Christmas. You've never seen that. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Is it? Is it like sad? Is it?" Uh, and she goes, no, 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 it, it's, it's uplifting. Um, and it actually is. It's like, uh, you know, there's, there's kind of like sad bits to it, mm. but in the end, it's a really uplifting film. I think I seen this film with Kat. Yeah. Is this the one that Kat and I seen? The, the one with the, uh, Amelia Clark yeah. and Henry Golding. Yes. Uh, and Amelia Clark is yeah. this uh, girl, her family like immigrated. Her mum is played by Emma Thompson. Um, with a Russian accent that does not sound very authentic to me. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so uh, they, they, they immigrate to England. Um, she gets sick, uh, but then she gets better. Um, and they don't really go into what sickness it was or anything mm. like that. But she's kind of struggling a year on from, from recovering. And uh, she's just like, you know, homeless, just jumping from friend's house to friend's house and just being like uh, unstructured and and screwing things up. But she runs into Tom, played by Henry Golding, and uh, he kind of like throws out a lifeline to her, but he's very intermittent. So he'll be there and he won't be there kind of thing. but through this interaction with with Tom, uh, a young Kate um, or, or Kate manages to like pull her life back together, and it's just really really nice. And it's set in and around London, and it's just I remember, beautiful. Are you sure? I feel like I was crying at the end of this film. Well, Am I of a different film. No, there, no. I there mean, there is something you, that makes you a little bit. Yeah, teary, there, there's something that makes you teary in there. It's um, it's you know. I've forgotten. I'm gonna have to ask you off air because yeah. I forgot. It's about. Two, a year old. Yeah, but she um, she works in a, a Christmas shop, mm. a year-round Christmas shop, uh, owned by Santa, played by Marcel Yeo, uh, and that's uh, that's really good. Um, but because it's called it's called Last Christmas, and there's a lot of George Michael music just throughout this film. Uh, but it's just really just a great film. So I recommend if you're looking for a Christmas film, you might want to get a little bit weepy. But I think it, all in all, it's very uplifting. So I'm going to give this one um, uh, four. Uh, Santa baubles because of the Santa shop. I think I need a new Christmas movie that I can watch every year because as much as I love Love Actually, I've I've kind of, I think I've watched it to death now um, and I I didn't enjoy it as much the last time I saw it. You know, I saw a meme the other day that said if you watch Love Actually and you watch Die Hard afterwards, you get to see um, Alan Rickman's character in Love Actually um, get the justice he deserves (laughs) for what he did. Which I'm I'm actually, I'm I'm on board with that. I'm thinking we're actually going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a bad idea. I mean, last year was the first time I uh, saw Die Hard, so... I know. Well, Crazy. I should have some good recommendations hopefully next weekend. I have a uh, Christmas tradition with my friends. We oh, gather yep. and uh, watch Christmas films, but all the really crappy Hallmark ones mm. that pop up on Netflix and streaming services that you just go, ugh. <laughs> uh, and I don't know why I do it, but I do it every year. I think it's the all the wine that <laughs> I manage oh, to drink. It so sounds maybe I fun. Won't, maybe I won't remember. But uh because they're all really my, corny, aren't they? They are, and it brings joy to my friends. So I still go along with it, even though I have far better things to do <laughs> with my life. Sounds like a fun tradition, I hope they're though. not listening right now. <laughs> no, it's all right. None of my friends listen to my show. Yeah. My brother uh, listens, that's that's all. Um, so Bergman Island, shall we 
talk briefly about that? Why not? It's I don't know anything about it at all. Interesting. Neither did I. It popped out of nowhere for me too. But it's a, a bit of a homage to Swedish filmmaker Inga Bergman. Ah. Uh, and it, it's directed by a French filmmaker, actually, uh, Mia Hansen Love, uh, a film she did which was quite popular, Things to Come. She's not a filmmaker I've seen much off, but... Uh, I've seen this. So the film centres around Tony, played by Tim Roth. Uh, He's a very successful filmmaker who arrives with his wife and screenwriter, Chris, played by Vicky Creeps. Cripes or Creeps uh, could be either, but she she's actually been in quite a lot of films recently. She was in uh, M. Night Shyamalan's film Old. She was in... uh, There was another really popular film that will probably come to mind in a minute. But they Phantom are, Thread. She was thank the... Um, you. Oh, I feel like she I was the muse, wasn't film. she? Yeah, yeah. I loved that film. Mm. And they arrive on this island in, in Faro in, in Sweden and they're looking to be inspired uh, by, I guess, Bergman because he shot a lot of his really successful films on that island. He also lived and died there as well. But... The beginning half of the film really gives us insight into Tony and Chris as a couple, uh, as writers. And then the second half of the film is a bit of a parallel love story in which Chris is pitching a new kind of film idea uh, to Tony. And this is where we meet Amy, played by Mia Wasikowska, and Joseph, played by Anders Danielson Lee. So reality and fiction kind of begin to blend as she's mm. pitching this story so we get to see this parallel story unfold as well so it does become a little bit confusing and it's a bit of a slow burn the performances are really good but it's one of those films where it's so kind of slow throughout that you expect this big glamorous ending or something's gonna happen that is gonna be like whoa i waited for this the whole film like you know when you get to the end mm-hmm. of the film and it's worth waiting for mm. but it kind of just fizzles out nothing really comes to fruition that's frustrating it, it is frustrating so I think it is supposed to be a bit of a homage and maybe fans of Bergman might pick up on things that I ne- might not have because mm. I haven't really seen a lot of his films um, I'm not really a huge fan. It might be a controversial statement to make. I don't even know who he is. Like, I know the surname. Yeah. I know he's a filmmaker, but I don't know his work. So, so I think, yeah, it's a bit of a slow... I mean, the performances were really good. I, I just was expecting so much more to happen in this film. But there you go. But uh, Ingmar Berman, uh, Bergman, sorry, uh, several of his popular films, you've got Through a Glass Darkly, Persona. I think one of his most famous is Scenes from a Marriage. Uh, so he's still alive. No, he's dead, sorry. Oh, okay. He should be. Yeah, you know, he's, he's dead. I'm like, <laughs> but, died, died in but, 2000. But scenes from a Marriage, there's one. Oh, that's um, a new TV series, I think. Is that Isaac? It is. It's got Oscar Isaac Oscar and Isaac. Jessica Chastain in it. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know if it's based on Bergman's work or if it's something completely different. Uh, I think it is based on his work because I've typed in Ingmar uh, Bergman and it's the first thing that pops up. So it the it is based on his original film. There you go. Mm. So I'm kind of sitting on the fence with the film. I didn't hate it, but mm. I didn't love it. I was expecting a little bit more from it. But nonetheless, I'm going to score it two and a half bicycles. Nice. Because, you know, when it's beautiful mm. and summery in Sweden, you take out the bike and you go for a ride. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds lovely. Mm. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been thrown off yet. And Not we've yet. been doing it for <laughs> over 20 years. Not yet. We, we have, yeah. Not we did. Yet. We had the uh, Radio Fremantle uh, AGM and Christmas party on the weekend mm. and uh, we got the uh, the opportunity to do a bit of a, a spiel on the Shrew. on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. I got, I got to the last one because it was going on for a very long time. Uh, it was. It was. I'm, I'm glad you, um, you got it all wrapped up there. Yes. Um, yeah. That was well done, Lewis. But, yeah, I wasn't going to get up yeah. and say anything. Uh, you're the the spokesperson, really. I do love you're the when, M- MC. Yeah, yeah. I do love it when somebody hands me a live mic. It's very nice. Unexpectedly, yeah. <laughs> here you go. Oh no, he was expecting oh, yeah. it, and he was he oh, was like it. ready like, for it. Give me that thing. <laughs> no, I'm we're not going to finish until I've had my my say, and That's I got right. some laughs as well. So I was pretty damn happy with that. 
Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Can't remember what for, but there you go. Well, I, I made the point, like, you know, that originally uh, the show used to have music in it, but then I just found that we were just too damn interesting, so we stopped playing music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. But, uh, yeah, no, so that, uh, that was good. Um, uh, oh, yeah, and talking about uh, hands and microphones and stuff like that, I went to the Laugh Resort last night mm. uh, for a uh, – they're, they're, uh, they do it like a Christmassy end-of-year show, but it's also a show where uh, people who've got uh, fringe shows coming up, mm. they come and they do – not a bit of their fringe show, but they, they just come up and go, uh, I'm doing this fringe show, and they do some of their stand-up, and then it gives you a taste of, of what they're like. Did Dilruk Jai Singer – was he there? Um, no. What's what's he? Not. What's he look like? Um, He's just been on Master Chef. I didn't watch it. Um, he is, um, oh man, and he was on Celebrity. Get me out of here. I'm a celebrity. No, I think the biggest famous person on last night was Rove, but um, yeah, because he moved back here. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So Rove was uh, on last night, but uh, um, Luke uh, Bolin was uh, was on. He's got a couple of shows during Fringe, um, but uh, yeah, they, they were, it was really good. And uh, I, but if you want to go and see what shows are on during Fringe at the Laugh Resort, just go and uh, look for. I don't know if it's under the Laugh Resort or Shoe Bar, but just look for that uh, in the Fringe Guide and. Pretty much all the I saw last night were really good, so uh, I can I can recommend if you go to the Laugh Resort and check out those uh, daily shows, um, then there'll, there'll be something good in there for you. Hmm. Mm. Um, so let's talk about the film that I am intrigued to find out your feelings on, <laughs> and that is Licorice Pizza. Um, now, the name of the film I think is a throwback to. Fast Times at Ridgemont High or something? Oh, it could be. Although I was confused. I kept thinking it was called Liquid Pizza for a while. And oh, you like, don't want to have... It make sense. I mean, like, all. as much as you don't want a licorice pizza, I think you really don't want a liquid pizza. No. That sounds disgusting. No. Um, so this has Alana Haim from the... I've, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I, I meant to do research. Is that Haim or Haim? Haim. It is Haim. Um, so the band Haim, they've been around for a few years and they are a trio of sisters who sing and um, they're good at it. They are very good, <laughs> so, aren't they? Um, and Alana Haim uh, plays Alana Kane. So, and Alana is a 25-year-old woman who... It's kind of not – she's got no direction in life at all and she just comes across this young 15-year-old um, Gary Valentine who is a, a – has been a child actor but he's also an entrepreneur um, and he's just got a knack of creating his own side hustles and they always seem to work out for him. Um, his his mum is a publicist and she's often – not there so he's he's often kind of fending for himself and kind of doing whatever he wants but it is set in the 70s so it is the era where kids kind of do whatever they want um everyone's a bit of a, a latchkey kid um so alana kind of gets pulled into his web of like entrepreneurship um but mainly because she doesn't appear to have any other friends and nothing else kind of going for her. Um, I should mention this is a Paul Thomas Anderson film who I am a massive fan of. Um, I didn't see Inherent Vice. I think it's the only film of his that I haven't seen um, or one of the, I think there may be two older ones I haven't seen, but big fan. So I was excited to see this. There's some great trivia um, in amongst, you know, if you go on to IMDb. So um, Alana's two sisters from Heim. <laughs> it's, it's just very difficult for me. Um, yeah, they're also in this film playing her sisters and her parents are playing her parents. So there's um, Paul Thomas Anderson, when he was in school, had a crush on the Hames' mum at oh, school. Cool. So there is an element of like a younger boy having a crush on an yeah. older woman. And then he said he also saw a, a young guy, uh, like a teenage boy, hitting on an older woman. He's like, that's kind of funny. Mm. Um, but there's a, he's drawn a lot of um, inspiration from LA during the 70s and things that were going on at that time. There's a few characters that are uh, based on 
real people. So you've got Sean Penn in there briefly playing a director or an actor uh, called Jack Holden, who's based on an actor called William Holden. Um, And then you've got a director who's based on another director. And then uh, you've also got uh, relatively brief um, but... uh, Bradley Cooper is in this film playing uh, – I was just trying to find his name here. Um, Sorry, I'm no help. I should have looked. (laughs) No, that's okay. Uh, But he's playing a real-life person. John Peters, thank you very much. Um, John Peters is in this movie as well, apparently. According to to the cast I've got anyway. He may have done because Paul Thomas Anderson did have a chat to him about how do you feel about Mm. us portraying you. Mm. And, I mean, there's there's a picture of – what was his name again? John Peters. Thank you, John Peters. Um, <laughs> with with his uh, lady at the time, Barbara Streisand, uh, not Sand, Sand. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they've basically uh, he looks identical to this particular picture. Mm. But um, he was a well known ladies' man, and they've that's how he's portrayed in this as well. But he's Wasn't also portrayed quite violent yeah. and scary and. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that it was like that. Wasn't he originally Barbara Streisand's hairdresser and then became a film producer? I don't know because I didn't do a whole mm. lot of research on him, but he was he was with her at some point. Yeah. But look, look at this cast list. Uh, the one that really stands out to me is George DiCaprio. And I was like, oh, yeah, who, yeah. who is George DiCaprio? And I found out George DiCaprio, Leo's dad. His, his appearance is super brief. He's the guy who is selling Gary the, the waterbed. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You've got, um, and I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson likes to bring in his, his mates as well. So there is, if you're paying attention, uh, John C. Riley is in it. For like a millisecond, he was. He I was, didn't notice that at all. Um, I'm a huge fan of John C. Riley. <laughs> you, you may have not recognised him because he was wearing um, the monster. Um, oh, that was John C. Riley. I, I recognised it because of his accent, of his, his voice. voice. He, he's not listed in the cast I list. Didn't pick that up at all. So there's a lot of really. He's playing Herman Monster. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really great. <sighs> I want to see this film? Th- there's a lot of really great things in here. If you're a Paul Thomas Anderson fan, if you're a fan of the '70s, if you're a fan of like you know, the the trivia is really interesting. Mm. But the premise of the film I was uncomfortable with from the get-go and I think it made it really hard for me to get into the film. It's a very long film as well. It's two hours and 15 minutes and it just felt like every time there was a new scene towards the end, I was like, when is this going to end? And I understand the premise of the film because Alana is basically mentally kind of a teenager and so of course she's hanging out with this young kid because he makes her feel good about herself and she's probably doesn't feel too great about where she is in life so I kind of get that but I mean the whole movie is kind of about them will they won't they get together sort of thing and because of the age difference, 25 and 15, I was just uncomfortable from the get-go and it made it difficult for me to get into them as characters and I kind of felt like she was a really pathetic figure and then the um, the movie is kind of a like just having a look at their life and what things happen during their life. Like, you know, they the whole time, every time something else was happening, my brain was literally going what the like wtf what what is this why is this in the plot and what's happening now and it was like it felt like it was all over the place but it was on purpose Mm. but it just was like so annoying and then yeah it just took forever to finish and i was like getting angrier and angrier and angrier about it not finishing and uh, yeah so then i left like i i actually didn't leave the cinema until it was finished, mm. but the last half an hour of the film, I wanted to get up and leave and I kept thinking, should I just go? It's the first movie that I've been in for a really long time that I've considered getting up and leaving, but I couldn't because I, that's not – you can't review a movie if you walk out of it. I mean, you can. That is your review, but um, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Mm. I can't walk out of a Paul Thomas Anderson film. I had to see how it ended eventually um, and – 
There were some elements of this film that I did enjoy. I laughed a lot at bits but was kind of uncomfortable and annoyed the whole time. So, yeah, when I walked out, I bumped into Matt again from Cinema Australia and I'm like, I've got so many thoughts. And he's like, oh, I loved it. And I'm like, I hated it. And then I, like, Arda was in here before and she loved it as well. So I'm like, am I alone in this? Cecilia? This is so Mm. interesting. You're not alone. You're not alone (laughs) at all. I felt this film felt very disjointed to me from the get-go. It lacked direction entirely. Mm -hmm. It just felt like a throwback to the 70s, which there were parts of it I really enjoyed and I, I laughed heaps during this film. But it kept getting to these points where I was like, oh, is this the end? Is this the end? And then, no, it kept going and going Mm. and going. Mm. I didn't relate to the characters at all. I found them quite pathetic, to be honest. Same. Uh, The only thing I really enjoyed was I quite enjoyed the scene when they're in the truck. Uh, That was pretty epic. That was pretty funny. I think the John Peters particular part of the show was really good. I think that was the first point I actually clicked on and I was like, yep, I'm, I'm enjoying this. But it felt longer than what it was. It just felt so, yeah, disjointed and just really, I can't describe it any other way. I think the inner feminist in me gets really pissed off when I see films film filled with pathetic female characters mm. that have, n- like, no strong, like, they're just completely weak and I mean that sounds really horrible because you know you can see movies and part of the character is you know you can watch a movie and that is part of the movie is Mm. that the character is kind of pathetic Um, but for some reason because I've had years and years of you know men's films showing women a particular way when I see a really weak female character who's kind of pathetic, I get annoyed because I just feel like, you know. And she was a weak character. Let's she be was. Honest. That, there was that one moment where you think, oh, she's changing. Finally getting shit together. Oh, Chain. sorry, stuff together. Stuff together. And, and she doesn't. I really, I was hoping that was the end of the film. I was like, oh, finally, so- finally. <laughs> And then it wasn't. And I'm like, no, please. Yeah. And look, I have to be completely honest. I, at one point, and I feel like this is really harsh, but I was going to lean over to you and be like, I'm going. (laughs) So we were totally in the same boat. We were. I just, it just was so long. It just felt like there was no direction at all Mm. with this film. I didn't know what it was going to... And look, I didn't particularly enjoy Inherent Vice either. I seen that film a few years ago, but I think that was the source material. It was based on a uh, Thomas Pynchon novel Mm. and he's a very interesting writer. So that that was more the the source material, the content. The film itself was okay. So I am a fan of the filmmaker, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Boogie Nights as well. So I am a fan. I just... I don't know what he was trying to say with this. I, I did know what he was saying. I think he was trying to, that, that inner child. And mm-hmm. There are these people in life that are affected by the failure to launch mm. and I guess that was her story is that she was kind of stuck in this um, wishing to still be a teenager because adult life is a bit rubbish mm. and you know, this this young person sees her in a way that nobody else sees her because he's, of course he sees her that way because he's lusting after an older woman. Of course he's going to think all these wonderful things about her. Mm. Um, there was, I've got so many issues with this film and I, I spoke to somebody and they said, don't you know people like that? And I'm like, no, I don't know people like that. If I was 25, I would not be going out with a 15-year-old. And if the tables were turned and this was a 25-year-old man lusty or like hanging out with a 15-year-old girl, you would think, man, that's really creepy. Mm. Why is it not creepy just because it's a woman doing it? I had it? the same thought during the film. I was like, what if this was the other way mm. around? It would uh-huh. be a completely different film or there would be a different response entirely to the film. And I wonder if this is kind of like... It happens for male and female non-binary. It happens for everyone. When you're in your teenage years, you are lusting after people who are much older than you, Mm. sometimes teachers, um, you know, older people on TV shows. It happens all the time. But I just wonder whether this particular film annoyed me because I'm like, this is just your typical, like, 
letting a male fantasy play out and the male fantasy is that he's a teenager and he's going to possibly make it with this older chick. Which is such a 70s thing as well. <sighs> I know. <laughs> and and then I started, like, this is how much the film annoyed me. I started thinking about all of the Paul Thomas Anderson films and thinking back to think if he's ever had a strong female character in any of his films. And I couldn't think of any. <gasps> you might be right. And I'm like, Does oh. that change your opinion now? It does and it doesn't. Mm. I think this particular film is rubbish. I hate it and I hate everything it stands for. I, I And, I mean, I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet, but Cooper um, Hoffman is in this film. It's his first film and he is the son of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. So initially he didn't want to get into acting and Paul Thomas Anderson showed him this script and said, I'm interested, you, you want to come on board. I think he's got a future. I think he did really well. I think Alana um, Heim, did mm. <laughs> she did really well as well. I, I'm not discounting anyone's acting ability and it is nice to see regular people on screen because they're not like drop-dead gorgeous I, or anything. I actually, I think we do have to give credit where credit's due. That yeah. was a really good part of this film. I, there were a lot of characters. I don't think a lot of these characters were wearing makeup. No. Which no. I thought was great because I didn't look at one of those guys. There was no really unrealistic expectations mm. in terms of looks. Everyone looked really natural. Why was why did everyone laugh when Lance came on screen? Was it just because he was like really charismatic? I think so. Or like I think I laughed because everyone else was laughing. I think I laughed because he had this like uh, I think him and Gary both have this like I'm older than I actually am. Yeah. But you're not. Like, I, I literally had this conversation with Arda before she left. Like, you know, is Gary older than his years because – and that's why she's attracted and yeah. then Alana is younger for her years and that's maybe they're on the same mm. level. But I don't think at any point – no offence to any teenagers who are listening – I don't think any teenager is mentally, you know, above their age. And no. what, what I mean by that is some people appear to be really mature because they have to be. And I think in Gary's case, his mum is away all the time. So, of course, he's an entrepreneur. They don't have a whole lot of money and it has been up to him to provide money through the years mm. as a child actor. Absolutely. So it's natural for him to continue to want to make money for the family. So he's almost pushed to be more mature than he needs to be. And then there's scenes you know, with the gas that they were getting and you can see, hang on a minute, no, he's actually not more mature than his age because you can clearly see he's a teenager. Mm. It's just that he's acting like he's not a teenager. Yeah. They're two very different things. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, um, that was a massive rant. Interesting. I, I can only imagine if we had differing opinions about the film, but I think we were both kind of sitting there uh, mm. very similar in in. Yeah. Well, you kind of made me want to go and see the film. Even though you've, you've like said it was terrible, I still want to go and see it just to see how bad it is. Well, Arda and Matt loved it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's heaps of people who, yeah. who would love it and there's a lot of elements that, if, if, that people would enjoy. And honestly, I, I think my problem was that I was against their relationship from the get-go. So I was never like... Because the whole movie is, is they are, are they or aren't they going to get together at mm. some stage? And I just thought it was inappropriate the whole time and she needed to snap out of it and just go live her own life mm. because it shouldn't be going on full stop. So I think it made it hard for me to get into it because of that. So, but anyway, um, there were elements that I enjoyed. So I'm going to give this um, two... Pinball machines. Oh, nice. I am. I was going to give it two nipples. Oh, yeah. Because it's the 70s and no one's wearing a bra and you can see a lot of nipples. But then I thought maybe that's inappropriate. Nah. So There's that's nothing inappropriate the about that. It's like it's, it's natural. Natural. It natural. natural. Oh, I agree. There were parts of this film I liked. So I am going to score this two and I'm going to score it two. Oh, we've already mentioned water beds, haven't we? I can't mm. really mention that now. Um, two flare pants. Okay, good. Flared pants. I was just trying to think of one of his other little side hustles. Oh, yeah. What did he do? I he, can't um, remember. The pinball machine. The waterbed. But water there was beds. something else before that that was smaller, I think, or maybe I'm just there imagining was. that. There was. Yeah, yeah. But I can't remember what it was. 
Mm. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what other people's opinions are well, I of think this. It's doing quite well on Rotten Tomatoes. From well, what I can see, but again, you know, every each to their own. Uh, mm. What do we got? Let's have a we look. Ninety-one percent for both critics and audiences. Really, uh, which seems a little bit high, but eight point five on Instagram. I mean, not Instagram. What's it called? IMDb. So. There you go. Maybe we're just alone here or maybe people are scoring it higher than they should because they feel like they should because it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. I did feel a bit funny kind of saying how I truly felt about this film because I, I worry it might attract some, you know, oh, how dare you talk about that film like that. But you I know, know. I, I don't care anymore. I, I, I always, tell you what I think. Yeah, you do, you do that. Well, That's see, this is about. why yeah. I like being on um, community radio is because nobody is paying for our mm. opinions and therefore we're allowed to have them and be honest about how we feel about movies. Damn right. Instead of just sugarcoating things and saying, yeah, it was good, I liked it. So I always mix up uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and Wes Anderson. Do you? Oh, they're two very, very they're different. Two very different. <laughs> Their styles are so polar opposite. Yeah. Oh, now, were you just having a look at Paul Thomas Anderson's um, history? I was, I was having a good look at both of them, yeah, mm. yeah, because, um, yeah, just... Yeah, when when I heard Paul Thomas Anderson, I was thinking like Darjeeling Limited and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And it's uh, like no, 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 it's the other the other guy with the Anderson. So yeah, different different guy. Yep, yep. Um, and Paul, I think because of his connection with um, Heim's mother, mm. I think she used to be his music teacher. Or so, I can't quite remember the details, but he's actually um, done quite a few of their. Uh, music videos. Oh, nice. So um, I knew that already, but then, yeah, I, w- I went to pop in to see how, you know, what movies of his that I haven't mm. seen. There's a lot there. And they, he's done um, a lot of um, a lot of um, music videos. Yeah. Haim did an awesome cover of Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman <laughs> on Like a Version. Oh, yes. Have yes, they did. That? It's so good. It is really good. It is really good. I'm, I need to find a list of his big movies because I'm pretty sure I've seen most of them because obviously you've got Boogie Nights, Magnolia, um, There Will Be Blood, Punch Drunk I do Love. love there Will Be Blood. Oh, my God. Such it's one of my favourite movies of all time, it honestly. It is a great film. So, you know, mm, yep. yeah, it's hard to then see this one, isn't it? It is. <laughs> anyway, we should probably get out of here. Uh, next week, again, if you miss the top of the show, um, I guess you wouldn't miss the top of the show if you were listening to the podcast, but um, we are doing our best and worst next week. It'll be, you know, movies, TV, books, podcast whatever you want your tops to be and your bottoms to be um join us on facebook let us know and we'll go through them next week so yeah see you then catch you later bye this podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture